Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here, isn't it? We're going to uh, raise some dust this morning. The uh, scripture we uh, start with is in Psalm 103, and it's David talking. It's verses 13 and 14. It's a very simple little verse, but uh, it's got such a profound truth in it. You see, I want to talk to you this morning about the fatherhood of God and the frailty of man and the gift of salvation through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's a very simple little verse, but it leads on to big things, okay? So I'll just read it to you. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who worship him. Verse 14, he understands us. He knows we're only dust. And I like the old King James version there, which says he remembers that we are dust. You might have forgotten what I was preaching on two weeks ago, but God remembers that we're dust. He never forgets our frailty. Never forgets how fragile, how finite, how mortal we are in all his dealings with us. But he's a father. He's a father. So first of all, the Bible says we're dust. Let me read just a, a couple. Of, we, we went into it more a couple of weeks ago. But uh, Genesis 2 verse 7, The Lord God made man from the dust of the earth, breathing into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And in the next chapter, after Adam and Eve had sinned, uh, we have God saying this, You'll work hard for your food until your face is covered with sweat. You'll work hard until the day you die, and then you will become dust again. I use dust to make you, and when you die, you will become dust again. And so the Bible tells us that we are all dust. As far, there's a lot more sort of uh, references to it, but that'll do right at the beginning. God says, you're dust, and you're going to return to dust again. But not only does the Bible tell you that you are dust, Modern, up-to-date science today says you're dust. Okay? You can look at the person next to you again and say, science says you're dust. <laughs> okay. You see, and I read from the introduction to a, a science book written by a guy called Bill Bryson, famous or, or a popular author, and um, I won't read the whole introduction, but it says something like this. From a modern scientific point of view, you're made of dust. You are constructed by the molding or clumping together of trillions of mindless, lifeless, inanimate subatomic particles, the dust of atoms, miraculously obeying a divine imperative to stick together and form your body. So you are dust, and science can't explain how it clumps together and becomes all your organs and brain cells and things, but it says, yes, you're dust. And then it also uh, says that uh, that dust is temporary. And we all know that there's going to come a time when, even though we, uh, we seem to be quite hale and hearty and healthy, there'll be a time when uh, death will come, and that dust, and this dust, will toddle off to be something else. Okay? It's, it was you, but it, it never really was you. It was just inanimate dust. <laughs> you know, and obeying a divine imperative 
to be something, you know. As everything else, everything is dust. Yeah? Dust. The room, dust. The planet, dust. Every planet in the universe and every universe that science can detect, it's all made of the same stuff. We're all dust. Everything is dust. But there is a difference about the dust that is you. There is a difference. Because there's something in you which is not in all the other dust. Even the animated dust, you know, animals and plants and whatever. No, there's something different about you. Because there's something of God in you. Which isn't in everything else. And so you're dust. But the good news is you are loved by a father. The father who made us loves us. And that love is a deep parental love. Darren was telling us uh, just, uh, just now this morning about uh, Lana in, 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 the, in the bathroom where, where she's been sick and she's really sorry for herself. And you, you can tell the, the parental love that was flowing right then, all the sympathy and the care. And, and, and also when Owen scores a goal, God is like a father to you. The sort of love he loves you with is parental love. Because he sees something of himself in you. There's a sense in which he has birthed you. You know, parents have a very special sort of love. You know, when you you see a a baby, you know, if if, if it's not your baby, and especially if you're not particularly into babies, uh, a lot of babies tend to look a bit like Winston Churchill on a bad day. (laughs) But I want to tell you, to people who are into babies, and especially into parents who produced them, they are the most beautiful thing in the world. You see, this sort of beauty is in the eye of the parent. <laughs> yeah? And even if the ch- you know, you, you might look at a baby and say, oh, because you want to be kind to the parents, you oh, yes, yes. I, she, she's got her mother's eyes, you know? What you don't say is, she's got her father's beard. <laughs> you see, parents don't look at the any defects, they, they, they just love because this is part of them. God produced you. We, we read it. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And I want to tell you, there's something God breathed in you. Yeah, you're not just dust like the animals. You're not just, just dust like the rest of the universe and all the universes. Yes, you are, but there's something different. There's an element which is not in anything else. And that is the reason why Father loves you so much because he sees something of himself in you and he loves you. Parental love, like Darren with Lana, parental love. That's the sort of, it says, that's the the verse we read, okay? I thought we were going to lose a puppet for a second then. The Lord is like a parent, a father, tender, compassionate. That's what the verse says, yeah? Parental love. And so you're dust, but the good news is you've got something great going for you, and that is the fact that God loves you. He remembers your dust, but he loves you. And the problem is you're not just dust, you're defective dust. Because something happened way back that we read about in, in Genesis, where the fact that relationship was broken apart between God and man. Adam and Eve sinned and were thrown out of the garden and and from then on, they're still dust, 
But that just began to die. Sin came into the human race. And because of that sin, then we are defective dust. We're not only more uh, frail, we are mortal. We're going to die. We're cut off from God. And there's no way that us frail mortals made of dust can climb back into relationship with God. It's just too much for us. It's beyond us. So the only way God could do anything about it was to do all, make all the running himself, do all the work himself, and come and save us. Okay? Now, he remembers that we're dust, and so there are four measures, I'm going to call them, that God has put in place to deal with the fact that you are dust, And unless he does something, you'll never get into relationship with him and you will not live forever with him. So in order for you to be in relationship with him, because he loves you, and in order for you to be able to live with him forever, and you're in mortal dust at the moment, he's put measures in place so that this dust has a destiny. You're going places. Okay, so that's where we're going today. And that's a potted version of where we were sort of up to last uh, two weeks ago. God has put measures in place because we are dust. Let's have a look at these measures, four of them. Because he remembers that we are dust, he gave four things. First of all, he gave his son. Yeah? Yeah. Because we're dust, first step, he became dust too. He took a body. Jesus became a man. God became a man because you're dust. Because he remembers that you're dust and because he's got to be able to come where you are and do the job for you because you can't make it into relationship with him. So he came to where we are. So Jesus took dust, yeah? Became a man, took flesh and became as you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave. These measures are all gifts. Because we can't save ourselves, God has to give everything to us. The first thing he gave was his son. All right? And so he gave his son, and Jesus was born of Mary. uh, This marvelous, immaculate birth, as it were, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, and yet dust. He was flesh. Flesh, the same as you and I, made of dust. And so the first gift was Jesus himself. He gave Jesus, and Jesus became for us the human face of God, if you like. Before that, in trying to relate to God, you related to some mysterious, awesome, invisible force. But now you've got a face to talk to. It's Jesus. He became a man. He became a man. That was the first step of the four steps which causes God to be able to solve all the problems of the human race and bring them back into his family. Those four steps. Second step, he gave his life. Jesus not only came and lived as a man, he died on the cross of Calvary to pay for everything that cuts you off from God. To pay for all the sin, all the wickedness, all all the things we're guilty of, to pay for all the weakness and frailty that holds us away from God. Because we are fleshly, we are dust. And our very natures tend to pull us away from God. We are selfish, we're self-centered. We're everything that, that, that sort of alienates us from God. And Jesus paid for all that to be dealt with so he can come into the presence of God. So first measure, he gave his son. Second measure, 
His son gave his life. These are gifts, all right? You had to be gifts because we couldn't do the job ourselves. So God did all the running and he gave great gifts in order that this dust would have a destiny and live forever. Amen? So, second gift is Jesus himself. And just to say that uh, that's so important, there may be someone here that's not a Christian, I want to tell you that when you recognize that Jesus, dying on the cross of Calvary, did it for you, to pay for your sin, so that you can get into relationship with your Creator, and you come to God and say, please, please save me, please help me, please forgive me, please take all this sin away so that I can come into your presence and get into a relationship with a God that loves me. When you put that cross, that sacrifice, that what Jesus did on Calvary there and say, because of Calvary, please forgive me. Because of the blood, please cleanse me. Because of the, 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 the payment that Jesus has made, please let me come into your presence. When you call upon God for salvation in the name of Jesus and because of the cross, then that's the moment when your destiny clicks into place. Because from then on, it's just as if you've never sinned. You get forgiven, you get cleansed, you get a fresh start. And you might still be dust, but now you're going places. Because you've accepted the gift of salvation. So God gave his son and Jesus gave his life to give you salvation. Okay, so that's measure two. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary. This is the one I like too. He's already prepared to give you a new body when this one's worn out and not in use anymore. I'm glad of that. (laughs) I'm glad of that. You see, this dust is not going to live forever. At the moment, I'm, I'm dressed in common dust, but there'll come a day when I'm gonna be gold dust, because I'm gonna have a new body. I'm gonna have new faculties. I'm gonna have new awarenesses. New senses. I've got a new one lined up, but that's another gift. All right, that's another gift. So the third gift is something to replace this mortal finite dust, which is wearing out even as you're looking at me this morning. I'm getting older, you're getting older. We're all on the way to losing these dust particles that are going to toddle off and be something else, but I've got a new one that I'm going to move into. Yeah? Forever. Amen. I just want to read what, how Paul puts this. You see, I'm common dust, but I'm going to be gold dust. Think of the caterpillar and the butterfly. I don't even have to tell you the story. You know the idea. This is the caterpillar, but I'm going to be a butterfly. I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to be transformed, yeah? So what, my new immortal body will be recognizably me, but we'll have all the faculties and abilities on a level with where Jesus is. Because I'm going to be like him. All right? Let me, let me read the, the, this classic pack, uh, chapter passage from, from Paul about my new body. I love this thing about a new body. Perhaps it's because I'm old. I don't know. Someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Our earthly bodies, which die and decay, will be different when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now 
disappoint us. But when they're raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now, but when they are raised, they will be full of power. They are natural human bodies now, but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, says Paul, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blinking of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies. Then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. You might be dust now, but you're dust with a destiny. And your destiny is gold dust, not common dust. You're going places. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. I'm going places. Yeah? Yeah? You've got a hope. You've got a future. You know, it's not just nice things on earth. It's, it's an eternal hope, an eternal future, in an eternal body with eternal faculties and abilities and senses and awarenesses that at the moment are beyond you. Yeah? I'm going places. I'm going places. I'm not going to stay in this body of dust forever. Yeah? Let me just read a couple of things just to, to hammer it home. Dear friends, John says, now we're children of God. We've not yet been shown what we'll be in the future, but we know that when Christ comes again, we'll be like him. Yeah. You get the idea? Jesus had power and ability to, to see things, do things, say things. Well, he, just, he was moving in the power of the Spirit all the time. And we'll be like him. Okay? So all the, the mortal frailties and, and, and lack of f faculties and, and abilities that there may be in this mortal body, it's all going to be upgraded to the level of Jesus. We'll see him just as he is. And then Paul says, Just as we, we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Couldn't be clearer, could it? I'm going to be like Jesus. I'll look like me, but all the faculties and the abilities and the sensi sensitivities and awarenesses and, and everything that, that Jesus can do, I'll be able to do in heaven, in eternity, forever. Amen? Amen. But that's not all of it. Okay. He gave us his son who gave his life for us. And he's, he's going to give us a body to replace this wearing out one. But that's not the only gift. The final gift is the gift of the Holy Ghost for you to be able to go beyond the limitations of your existing body now. I'm not just got a new one. This one can be supercharged where necessary to serve God. Okay? Going beyond. Let me, let me just uh, 
this is the, this, uh, this is the bit that I, I was trying to get to, you see. This is the bit I like. I'm, I, I can be supercharged now. I love the fact that I'm going to have a new body, and I'm going to be, as it were, naturally supercharged then. But right now, in this mortal body, I can know the power of God to go beyond all the limitations in order to serve Jesus. That's what it's for. You know what you're here for if you're a Christian? You're here to glorify God and bless people. That's it. You're here to glorify God and bless people. But I want to tell you, you will never be able to do it in your own might, your own power, your own strength. Because you're dust. And that dust needs supercharging to be able to glorify God and bless people like Jesus. Jesus said, the things that I've been doing, you're going to do, and greater, because I go to my Father and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That I'm going to be able to get up to Jesus' level where necessary now, even before I get my new body, by the current today supercharging of the Holy Spirit, so I can go beyond the limitations of the dust that I am at the moment. Amen? And so you're not stuck in dust and waiting and twiddling your thumbs for a new body. You can serve God now in the power of the Spirit. That's how Jesus went about his ministry. Why? Because right at the beginning, he was supercharged with the power of the Holy Spirit in the wilderness, didn't he? And that's what made him able to function like that. And he says, you're going to be able to function like that. Not because you're, you're sort of as strong as me. In the, you, you're dust. But because I'm sending another helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit who is going to impart and give and share with you the power necessary for you to be able to do what I did and even greater. That's what he said. Power of the Holy Spirit means you might be dust, but you can actually begin to move into your destiny now in the events and circumstances of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the supercharging go beyond spirit. Amen. Let me read a few scriptures just so you start the, the, just so you know, this isn't something I've dreamed, dreamed up myself, all right? <laughs> okay. The Holy Spirit. Peter said, when he was preaching on the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The gift. So that fourth measure is also a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus repeatedly told his disciples that he was going to send another helper, the Holy Spirit, yeah? John 14, 16, he says to his disciples, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another helper. Okay, that meant that all the things that Jesus was helping them with, the Holy Spirit would help them with when Jesus went to be with the Father, okay? And so this other helper is the Holy Spirit. But what did Jesus help them with when they were uh, his, uh, his disciples being sent out to, to, to preach the word and so on? This is, this is the way he was helping them. He says, um, I have given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to defeat the power of your enemy, the devil. Yeah? Nothing can harm you. You see, the, you see this go beyond thing that when, when you've got uh, uh, somebody helping you like this, it helps you to go beyond the dust that you are. Yeah? And so they could get themselves into all sorts of scrapes, but because of the Holy Spirit, 
because of the power Jesus lent them, and then the Holy Spirit, who was also a spirit of power, because of that, they could go beyond. And so when Jesus was on earth, he was their helper, helping them to go beyond the natural and do things that just couldn't do. But then when he went to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit, who is a go-beyond spirit, which means that he is in us, and he is able to cause us to be able to not be limited by the extent of our abilities, our thought processes, uh, uh, the things that we can understand, the things that we're able to do with our own strength. No, that's not a limitation anymore. He's the go-beyond spirit. He's the helper that helps us go beyond the limitations of our mortal body. Let's read a few more because I start preaching in the middle of every verse. Here we go. Luke 10, 19, I've given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions. That's when he was actually helping them while they were ministering for him and going out and preaching. Then at the end of his ministry, he says how the Holy Spirit would be coming along. I'm sending you what my father promised. Wait here in the city until you receive power. Notice it's always power, power, power. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this that he helped them with was actually power to go beyond the natural, the normal, their mortal limitations, yeah? And so they would uh, heal the sick, and they would raise the dead, and they cast out demons, and they were doing all these things, which they in their dust couldn't do, but the Holy Spirit was coming in and helping them, helping them, yeah. Power, power. We need supercharging to serve God in this life. Yeah? You know, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And he says, the things that I did, you're going to be able to do. Yeah. Do you know what? Jesus was, was good news. If ever you met Jesus, it was good news. Yeah? yeah? Do you know what he wants you to be? Good news. Yes, it's good to know the power of God in, in seeing healing and, and miracles and signs and wonders, but really what he wants most of all is for you to just be good news in your workplace, to be good news in your family, to be good news with all the people you come in contact with, the class in school, the, the workplace, the neighbor over the fence, the children of God are supposed to be good news. And the Holy Spirit has sent to us in order that we have the power to be good news. Yeah? He not only gives us gifts, I want to tell you, He also gives you fruit. Did you know love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and self? You know, all those things are beyond you. You know that, don't you? The only way you're going to really manifest those wonderful fruits that makes everybody want to take a bite out of you is by the power of the Spirit. They'll want to imitate you. They want to be with you. They want to be near you. You're good news. But that again, both the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit are the Holy Spirit's gift. And it's all beyond your dust. Yeah? You can't love the unlovely without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't know joy in all sorts of negative circumstances without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't know peace that passes understanding without the Holy Spirit. You see what I mean? These are, these are Holy Spirit gifts 
fruits that He gives you, power that He gives you. And so the Holy Spirit came to give you power to go beyond yourself. I uh, used to have a number of motorbikes when I was a teenager. Not all at once. <laughs> the first one was a, an antique, an old BSA 250, hand-changed. They don't make them like that anymore, thank goodness. Then I had a nicer bike. It was an AJS Scrambler 350, much more powerful. I used to sort of uh, ride around the Welsh hills off-road on that. But then I thought I wanted a, more of an ordinary road bike. And so I changed to a, a Royal Enfield 250. 250. And um, I was fine, newer bike. But the problem was I was commuting back and forth to Cardiff to Technical College and uh, I had got used to having a 350. And so when I went down to a 250, before long I blew up the engine. Because I was trying to drive it like a 350. And it, it just, it, well, it felt, the engine, she, I, I, I phoned up a guy in a garage I knew, I said, my big end's gone. <laughs> so he rebuilt the engine for me. And after a, a while, once it was going fine, I sold it. And uh, this time, the next bike I bought was a Triumph Speed Twin ex-police patrol bike. Twice the power of the Enfield. Because I didn't want to blow up another bike. And then one day, uh, soon after I bought it, I thought, I better, I better try out what this bike can do. So I found a quiet, straight stretch of dual carriageway and, uh, and I, I opened it up. And all of a sudden I was hurtling along this road. And uh, as it went faster and faster, suddenly it decided it was in Strictly Come Dancing and went into a massive speed wobble. And I was, you know, you've got this little terrified, a teenager clinging on for dear life to the handlebars while the bike was trying to throw me off and I was petrified and uh, thankfully as, as I throttled down eventually the speed wobble straightened out but I want to tell you I knew from then on that I had power more than I ever would need <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that fast again I want to tell you that uh, in your own strength if you try and serve Jesus, even basically try to be like Jesus, never mind have signs and wonders. If you, if you serve Jesus in your own strength, you're going to blow your engine. You're going to burn out. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit just to be good news. Just to be the, somebody like Jesus. You need the power of the Spirit. But when you've got the power of the Spirit, there's more than you're never going to need. Yeah, you can be like Jesus, you can see signs and wonders, you can see all sorts of things happening by the power of the Spirit. And it's good, you know, you get encouraged when you see signs and wonders and miracles. There's one I want to tell you because um, I, I wasn't in, involved in it, and um, it was some years ago in Bridav, and uh, this night a gang of uh, youths turned up uh, outside, wanted to try and get in and make trouble. And uh, myself and some of the guys from the church sort of went outside the door and sort of formed a bit of a barrier and tried to persuade these 
uh, louts to go away and they were shouting profanities and, and, and really having a go and uh, threatening and all that sort of thing. And so we were, we were stood there and um, there was a guy stood just in front of me, uh, one of ours, and uh, the ringleader of the yobs uh, came all threatening and in the face of this, this guy that was standing just in front of me. And he just mildly said, go away. And he gave him a little push in the chest. And all of a sudden, that guy that was actually bigger than him shot back 10 feet and, lay f and landed flat on his back without touching the ground. <laughs> Bam! And everybody there, the, 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 the youths and, and our guys, we all stood there, you know. What was that, you know? And so he shot back, landed, then eventually after a moment's silence, he got up, began grumbling profanities again and walked off and all his gang went with him. And then we were there saying, well, what was that? Yeah. I've seen other occasions where the power of God has just thrown people back. I'm not talking about when you pray for people, I mean in other circumstances. I want to tell you, there's power to go beyond when you're in the spirit. There's power to go beyond. I remember once I was, I was praying for a, a guy in, uh, in Colombia. We were ministering and um, a prayer line sort of situation. And I came to this guy and uh, I just felt I had to put my arms around him and hug him and pray at the top of my voice in my atrocious Spanish that God would touch him. Didn't know what his problem was, so I just sort of prayed, you know. And uh, then I went on praying along the line. And at the end, the pastor of that church came in and, and said, hey, this guy has been healed. And uh, oh, I said, well, well, what was wrong with him? He said he was stone deaf, <laughs> which is perhaps fortunate with my bad Spanish shouting in his ear. Anyway, bad Spanish or not, the Holy Spirit went beyond. He hadn't heard the message, he hadn't heard my prayer, but the Holy Spirit healed him. Yeah, that's going beyond, going beyond. I want to tell you, you've got a God of go beyond. You have a spirit of go beyond who resides in you. And when you are faced with situations, then expect the Holy Spirit to come in and, and go beyond. In fact, I want to give you two words to release the go beyond spirit into your life and into mine. Okay? Two words. Intimacy, expectancy. They, those two, get those right and you'll be able to go beyond in any situation because it won't be you. It'll be the spirit who lives in you. Intimacy is when we come before God. We get our motives right in intimacy. You don't want the gifts of the Spirit in order to see your name in lights and your feet on platforms and, and be famous. No, you're just there to glorify God and bless people. Yeah, and it's in intimacy you get the right attitude. You're not doing it out of pride. Pride and God moves away. <laughs> but when you humble yourself in intimacy before Almighty God, then that's the place of power. In intimacy, you breed expectancy. In intimacy, you breed expectancy. Because you've been intimate with God, then you're expecting things to happen. And if you're not expecting things to happen, they probably won't.
You need intimacy and you need expectancy. Yeah? And when you're intimate with God and you expect Him to help you to live like Jesus and glorify God and bless people, then you see that fruit of that in your life. Intimacy and expectancy. And you see the hand of God at work in your life. I just want to say this morning that uh, basically expectancy is giving God room to move. Giving the Holy Spirit room to do what He wants to do. Positioning yourself so that He can come through and do the job. (laughs) 